it felt very, very Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Bay Indiana Jones, absolutely. Or indeed Tano Jones. <laughs> but she manages to escape thanks to Hu Yang, droid friend. Uh, or Dr. Hu Yang. He's voiced by David Tennant. This podcast was recorded remotely and contains adult themes and language. Hello and welcome to TV DNA Ahsoka, episode one, Master and Apprentice, and episode two, Toil and Trouble. I am your Padawan, Adam Hemming, and I'm joined by my master. He's still 75% original parts. It's Neil Shepard. May the force be with you, young Padawan. <laughs> and with you. How you doing, Neil? Yeah, good, thank you. I've been so excited about Ahsoka for um for months ever since i knew it was happening and as a, a diehard fan i wasn't disappointed however i would say that if this is not your way into the star wars universe if you are not a star wars fan if you are listening to this podcast just because you like to hear the voices of me and adam um seriously don't and um, this is not your lead way into the star wars universe you need a huge amount of previous watching of other series and films to really understand what's going on otherwise you're just going to find it really slow and you won't understand what's going on yeah there definitely is i think it's quite a, a big element of that i wasn't having never watched clone wars or rebels before about a week and a half ago, <laughs> my relationship with Ahsoka was fairly limited to those appearances in, in Boba Fett and The Mandalorian, and yeah. I watched the Tales of the Jedi episodes. That so I knew I knew of her, and I kind of knew obviously that she was Anakin Skywalker's Padawan. But there was, I mean, as you pointed out on the WhatsApp, there was uh, Disney Plus put up uh, some essential watching for Ahsoka episodes of the Clone Wars and the Rebels, and I've watched most of those now. So I think I've got a fairly good grasp but i was because i've watched some episodes of the clone wars and some episodes <laughs> of Rebels, the timeline was just getting completely confused yeah. in my head because clone wars is set after attack of the clones the second prequel yeah. film and then rebels is set after the prequels but before a new hope yeah the lead up to um rogue one basically yeah around the same time as andor yeah and then yeah. Ahsoka, this new series, is set after Return of the Jedi. Yeah. And so after, in, in the same timeline as Mandalorian, Book of Boba Fett. Yeah. And, and then Ahsoka sort of follows on from that, we think, is kind of where it sits. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's clearly after the Empire has, and well, the Sith and the Jedi apparently have become extinct. But obviously, they haven't because they're still... Um, warriors that wield those skills. I mean, at the end of Return of the Jedi, I think Luke is is pretty much the only known living Jedi, isn't he? He is. If when we were younger and we watched those three films, yeah, yes, Leia to a small extent. But if you you know watch all of the other canon of Clone Wars and Rebels, etc., there are still many Jedi's and Sith. That managed to survive the purge. But Ahsoka as a character has has been spread across quite a long a long period mm. of the, the Star Wars canon. I think so. It's great that she's got her own series now. Yeah, definitely. And kind of referencing what I said earlier about 
don't watch this if you're a newbie to Star Wars. There's lots of stuff you need to watch first. But it really is a, a, a fandom orgasm. I mean, there's so many characters, the huge part the fans absolutely love um and ahsoka has always been one of them so yeah it is fantastic that they've given that and watching the first two episodes i would say that any fan particularly who's kind of backed up with all the backstory to this series and to ahsoka and the ghost and sabine and ezra and chopper and Thrawn, you know, they're absolutely going to be loving this. I was really keen to watch Rebels because I knew that uh, characters like Sabine and Hera came from yeah. that show and I had had absolutely no previous knowledge. So I've, I've still got a lot of that show to watch. I've enjoyed, very much enjoyed what I've seen of that. So I will go back and continue watching it. And there have been some surprises thrown up by watching the Ahsoka special ones. but <laughs> Well, yeah, I was going to ask you about that because... So, yeah, Disney Plus has put up what they've termed as Ahsoka Essential episodes. And I've watched them. I've watched all of them because I just wanted a reminder. Like, it's been over a decade since I watched The Clone Wars and Rebels. Maybe not a decade for Rebels, but but a long, a long time. So I just wanted reminding. And knowing that you were also watching them, at one point I thought, okay, yeah, important for Ahsoka but the context of all the other characters like Sabine, Hara, Zeb, Ezra, Kanan, Thrawn, etc. It must be really weird just kind of dipping in. And it's a shame that, you know, you can have just watched them in order and, you know, understood what was going on for those episodes. Yeah, it was my own fault, really. I should have started a lot earlier with <laughs> watching the Rebels show. But um... I did suggest about two years ago. I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, it hasn't been too bad, actually. Yes, there have been sort of some some story elements have been spoiled for me, but that's okay. I don't I don't necessarily mind that. I'm really curious to go back and watch the rest of Rebels, so that's something I'll definitely do. Should we get into this these first two episodes then? Anything yeah. anything you particularly enjoyed? I really enjoyed the introduction to Balin and Shin. I I thought they were great. I mean, obviously, the first episode is called Master and Apprentice. I mean, very reminiscent of the Sith, but they're not Sith and they're not Jedi. And they have orange lightsabers, which suggests they're not quite as red as Sith, but they're also not blue or green like Jedi. And I, I thought that was a really nice touch. Uh, and Baden says that they're not Jedi. But I thought he was a fantastic... There was something almost Vader-like about him. At the point where they rescue Morgan, the Ahsoka taken prisoner, he he was constantly moving as he was killing people in his path, which was almost reminiscent of Darth Vader at the end of Rogue One. I, I thought he was an amazing presence. I'm really sad that the actor, Ray Stevenson, has passed away because it means that we're not going to have him in a, in a you know, in an Ahsoka 2. But yeah, I, I, I thought both him and Shin were amazing introductions. Yeah, great characters. I really enjoyed. So Balin Skull, I think is his, his full yeah. name. He's, he was a Jedi Knight previously and escaped the Purge of the Jedis. Um, it's kind of unknown where he's been. And then he's taken on this apprentice, Shin Hutti, 
Yeah. And she's she's just got quite a, a striking look to her as yeah. well. She's really cool. I love he has a conversation, I think it's in episode two, where they they know that Ahsoka's coming for them and, and he says it'll be a shame to kill her because there are so mm. many Jedi left. Mm. So he's kind of got this sort of romantic view notion maybe about kind of yeah. the you know the dying out of the Jedi. But it's interesting that he says he's not a Jedi because Ahsoka also doesn't really consider herself to be a Jedi. Absolutely. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And there's clearly some parallels kind of going on there because they're both Jedi. Uh, Like, Balin would have been a peer of Anakin based on age. So there's clearly parallels with both him and Ahsoka having walked away from the Jedi Order. So I think that that's going to play out as well. I think that's going to be interesting. In the opening of it, there's a ship approaching a, a New Republic vessel and they send an old Jedi clearance code. And it's very overly confident Captain Hale wants to come and uh, <laughs> see these two Jedi for himself, um, which was a bit of a mistake. But yeah, great. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a bit reminiscent of Captain Kirk, <laughs> like this arrogant sat at the, uh, at the helm of the ship. What an idiot. That's mostly all what we see of Balan fighting in the first two episodes. We get quite a bit of Shin in battle with various different people. Balin has, has mostly been in, in the background of that stuff. Yeah, I mean, Shin is a fantastic character and her fight with Sabine, which we'll come to as we go through episode one. But yeah, it was just really good. Very tactical. She lets Sabine, who isn't a isn't really a Jedi and hasn't had a huge amount of training, and she lets Sabine come to her and then she just Doves her to the ground, basically, with her fighting. But I really liked that sequence. I know how much you love titles, Adam. Um, And I noticed some really interesting stuff at the beginning of episode one. So firstly, you've got, like, a lot of the Star Wars TV series have these, like, montage of helmets. And they're normally mixed between red and blue depending on what side that helmet is on whereas the first episode master and apprentice they were all in red and also the opening crawl was in red as opposed to the yellow that we're used to and i just wonder whether that is kind of representative of we're not in a Sith era, but we are in a dark place. You know, the threat to the new Republic that is very, very kind of fresh and established, you know, there is a threat coming, which will be thrown. That, you know, that there's no secret that that's clearly in the in, in the trailer and in these two episodes. So, yeah, I, I absolutely loved, loved all of that. And I also loved the opening following the ship which we knew was that there's a Republic symbol on it. So we know it's a Republic ship, but it was from above. Whereas in the past, when we've had Imperial ships, like the iconic opening to Star Wars itself, you're seeing it from below. And again, I, I just thought that was an amazing, particularly for fandom, but an amazing opening to this new series. Yeah, fantastic spot. I love just love the fact that there was text on the screen. I gave a little yelp when the <laughs> text came up at the beginning to explain what was happening. But yeah, there's drumming and the suspenseful music in that opening. Yeah. So we, we're in this sort of darker, darker story. And also drumming is generally not used for Star Wars. Certainly wasn't used by John Williams in the original. But 
I think his name's Kevin Kleiner. Anyway, the um, composer who also did Coding Wars and, and Rebels, it's that drumming is reminiscent of The Mandalorian, which is probably the series and Book of Boba Fett, and is similar. I guess it's our most recent engagement with the Star Wars universe. So I thought it made a really nice segue into Ahsoka. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely with Andor as well, right? That, yes. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The TV shows seem to have that as a theme. Let's talk about the plot then of this. So the, the central story is uh, about the this map, star map. Yeah. And it's going to lead them to discovering the location of Thrawn, who they believe has been banished somewhere. So generally people think that Thrawn is dead, but this Lady Morgan, mm. who's a knight sister of Dathomir, I believe. Yes. Yes. Some sort of witch character. Um, I thought she was quite quite good as well. She believes that Thrawn's alive and, and this star map gives the location to where he is. Now, I, didn't, I haven't seen this in Rebels, but that also means that potentially Ezra Bridger, who's the kind of young Jedi in the Rebels show, is mm. also potentially alive. So that kind of comes up later on. Um, yes. So j- j- just to clarify, so the end of Rebels, the last episode, and I'm sorry that this might be a spoiler for you, but it is important to the plot for Ahsoka. Ezra and Thrawn ended up being taken into light speed by oh, basically space whales, but they're known as Purgle, who have the power to potentially not only light speed through space, but also through time. But if Thrawn is wherever he is in space or time, then Ezra is very likely to be with him. Great. Yeah, it's very um, exciting that that might be, might be the case. We've obviously seen, we see uh, later on Sabine Wren looking at a recording that Ezra left her. Yeah. So we've seen an actor playing the character of Ezra Bridger. So it's not too much of a jump to think that he may well show up in the show. Oh, I mean, I mean, if they've cast an act, and also it's it's clear on their like kind of IBMD, Wikipedia, etc. I mean, it is clear even from the trailer, Ezra will appear, and for them, I think for Ahsoka, it's more about finding Thrawn and reducing or eliminating any chance for new war, whilst the New Republic is so fragile. But for Sabine, I mean, Ezra refers to her as a sister. And yeah, if you watch the whole of Rebels, the relationship of the ghost crew is so close. And I think for fans, yes, everyone is going to be looking forward to Thrawn, but also to Ezra. Ahsoka wants to sort out Thrawn, but Sabine, I think it is very much about Ezra. Before the before the episode starts, Ahsoka's captured Lady Morgan. That's and yeah. Balin and Shin are, are that first scene is about them freeing her. But we see Ahsoka first of all in this ruined temple. She's using her double lightsabers to cut a circle in the floor. <laughs> it's very. She's also done in um, Rebels. She's done the same trick. But it, it felt very very Raiders of the Lost Ark like. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. Bay Indiana Jones, absolutely. Or indeed Tano Jones. <laughs> but yeah, I enjoyed I enjoyed all of this stuff. But there's droid warriors who confirm that it's a map it is the map that she's looking for. That so she has a, a battle with these these droid warriors that then self-destruct, but she manages to escape thanks to Hu Yang, her droid friend. Dr. Hu Yang. He's voiced by David Tennant. Is this a character that you've known before then from the Clone Wars and Rebels? 
Yeah, so uh, it wouldn't be unfair to call him Doctor Who Yang because he's a professor in the Youngling Jedi te um, Temple that teach them about kyber crystals and making lightsabers and stuff. So he has been there before. And it is really exciting that somehow Ahsoka has found him and got him on her team, as it were. Yeah, there's lots of really lovely banter, I think, with initially with Ahsoka and Hu Yang. I think it's really, really brilliant. And I think Rosario Dawson, amongst the brilliant things she does, she's got good droid banter skills. <laughs> She definitely does, and it can't be easy because I imagine you don't have the actual actor on on set. Like, I'm pretty sure David Tennant probably voiced all of Hu Yang from you know a, a studio in his house. But he he does a brilliant job as well. There's a, yeah. a, some more banter later on with with Hera, who we haven't really talked about yet. But yeah. um, the sort of comedy droid skills going on. He's very similar to C three PO, certainly in his kind of sense of his own mortality. And it's great. I mean, we can also talk about Chopper, who again is a huge fan favorite from Rebels and was mostly Ezra's, well, like R two D two to Luke or to Anakin. He's absolutely great, and actually. <laughs> Dave Filoni, the kind of main guy, does bits of voicing for Chopper. Oh, brilliant. No, great stuff. Oh, yeah, I really enjoyed Chopper, both in, in Rebels and, and so far in this. I think he's had some fun stuff to do. Yeah. So that's still been really good. She gets back to the rest of the Rebels, right? Which is where we meet Hera Sindula, yeah. again, another character from Rebels. Uh, she's a Twi'lek and she's a general for the Rebels. Yeah, uh, so initially... None of them were part of the Rebels. So at the beginning of Rebels, they're not connected with the Rebel Alliance at all. And eventually they kind of sign on as, I guess, mercenaries that are going to help them. And then eventually Hera gets, a, I, I don't know, a job like promoted to be a general. So she is a general within the Rebels. And obviously now it's the New Republic. So she's still a general and important to the New Republic. Yeah, and she's quite she's a, quite a level-headed. She's sort of a leader of, of of people. Yeah, I really enjoyed her as a character uh, from in what I've seen of, of Rebels. I'm excited to see more of her. And she's also a pilot, crucially, I think. is. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. And no, no, she, she's a great actress as well, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. And she's also married to Hugh McGregor. So I don't know if nepotism got her that casting. <laughs> but... Um, but yeah, she certainly knows a lot about the Star Wars universe. They need to unlock the map that she's recovered. And Hera tells her that she, you know who could help you with this. And that's, of course, Sabine Wren. So good opportunity to talk about Sabine. She's meant to be at this monument dedication to Ezra Bridger, which is being led by Governor Azadi, played by the brilliant Clancy Brown. Yep. But she isn't there. <laughs> she's off on a speeder bike and they send off a couple of ships to sort of pick her up uh, as a character called Porter, who's using uh, the Spectre call signs again, which I quite enjoyed, which is something they use in Rebels. But yeah, there's a cool a cool bike scene where they try and block her off and she accelerates and, and rides underneath the bottom of the, the ship that's parked in her way. Yeah, no, it's, it's a fantastic opening scene um, and introduction to Sabine Wren. She is clearly being developed. There's a lot of developments in the first two episodes on Sabine. What was also a really nice Easter egg or Easter mural is with that ceremony where they were recognising Ezra, 
the mural behind that is also in at the end of Rebels, and Sabine uh, painted it. So huge Easter eggs for that, and also just interesting. Sabine is such an amazing character in Rebels. She's such a kind of tomboy, independent woman, fierce. At one point, she was the owner of the Dark Saber that we've seen in The Mandalorian. She's a Mandalorian, but she's also had a bit of Jedi training from Kanan, from Ahsoka, from Ezra. But she's not she's not skilled. She she's absolutely not there, which we realise when her and Shin have a fight. Yeah, I think she's a fascinating character. And also the fact that she's an artist, right? We don't really yeah. I can't think of any other character in Star Wars. You know, we've had musicians, obviously. Yeah. Max Rebo. <laughs> Slice noodles. <laughs> yeah, uh, but not really had any other any other artistic characters within Star Wars. So I, I think that makes her quite unique and interesting. And then you know she's quite skilled, sort of with technical stuff. So a lot of yeah. explosives and and that sort of stuff as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, she's absolutely a fighter. She she she's a fantastic character and almost a feminine icon for those that are of the generation of rebels and you know kind of this additional texture to the Star Wars universe. Yeah. There's a nice moment when she meets up with Ahsoka and, and she goes onto the Fulcrum, which is Ahsoka's uh, ship, and she sees her bunk that she used to have and the and the artwork that she'd drawn on the, on the bunk. Now, the little cat creature, Neil. <laughs> um, the loth cat. The loth cat, is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. This is the cute toyetic <laughs> element of the show, I think. Uh, that and Chopper. Was yes, this yeah. part of Rebels? I, I think I have seen loth cats yes. in the most recent ep- episode I saw of Rebels, have you? Yeah, they appear a lot in, in Rebels. And there's also, they're either loth wolves or there's basically wolves that are also part of that kind of planet and appear kind of the same kind of times. I can't remember whether they're Loth Wolves or whether they've got a different name. But yes, no, Loth Cats appear a lot. I was kind of wanting her to call it a name. We obviously don't know whether it's male or female or non-binary. But yeah, it doesn't have a name yet. But really cute, as you say. And also, I learned that although a lot of CGI was used, like with Baby Yoda, Grogu, they also used real puppets as well for close-ups. Yeah, a lot of it takes place on, on Lothal, and that's a planet that is is very much part of Rebels, isn't it? That's kind of a key. Yeah, it's where um, Ezra was born, and it, it is kind of like, in the way that Tatooine is like the planet, uh, you know, you think about with Luke and Anakin, Lothra is very much Ezra's planet. Towards the end of this first episode, Sabine wants to take the map away, Ahsoka says, no, it stays here. She takes it anyway. There's a conversation between Ahsoka and Hera about her being stubborn and bullish as ever. And then they talk about, well, Ahsoka talks about walking away from Anakin and the Jedi, just like she walked away from Sabine. There's a lot of talk about her not really having a home, Ahsoka. She goes where she's needed, although not always. And then just as Sabine works out how to open the map, these three figures, these three faces on the map, it's kind of like a Rubik's map. She gets attacked by Shin. Those three figures on the map, really, that thing of three really does come into play. Like, the second episode is called Toiling Trouble. So you can think about the three witches in Macbeth. 
you can think about the Trinity, the Holy Trinity, and the the three that appears in a lot of religion, but also in Star Wars, there's a father, daughter, and son that is part of one of the story arcs in Clone Wars. And if anyone's a fan of Hocus Pocus, you know, three. <laughs> yeah, it's used a lot, isn't it? And then Sabine gets stabbed at the end of the episode, just as Ahsoka's arriving. And at the yeah. end of that battle with Shin, she gets stabbed through the stomach, which we know is not a fatal injury in the Star Wars universe. No. Well, clearly the lightsaber missed vital organs. And, and we know that because Sabine doesn't immediately die. So it clearly, I think it was to the side of the stomach. And we see the wounds healing um, in episode two. I initially was thinking, really? But then if you look back, like lightsaber wounds aren't fatal. Like you could Luke getting his hand cut off and, you know, that that's probably the most iconic. So yeah, no, she does survive. My slight quibble with that is why didn't Shin just finish her off? Well, Ahsoka was arriving, wasn't she, at that point, I think. So I think that was the kind of justification for her not finishing her off. Okay. But yeah, I think the lightsaber cauterizes the wound immediately, doesn't it? And I think yeah. something similar happened in Obi-Wan Kenobi. I'm sure that someone else got a lightsaber through the stomach and, and managed to survive it. Anyway, one of them, either Sabine or Ahsoka, are hearing voices from the last episode at the start of episode two. But they work out that, that one of the droids was destroyed at um, during that battle, the assassin droids, and that they could potentially get the memories from that droid to help them work out where they came from. Ahsoka turns down Sabine's help. She says, you've done enough. And initially I thought this was about her, her not wanting Sabine to get hurt again. But I think later on in a conversation with Hera, she's like, well, she lost the map once already. So then maybe it's a little bit about her feeling that Sabine's not quite ready. Yeah, definitely. I mean, now might not be the time, but over the two episodes, one of my disappointments has been, you know, this is titled Ahsoka. And she's certainly, you know, the protagonist to this series so far. But we've not really learned anything about her. She's very distant from the audience. You know, we've got much more emotional stuff with Sabine. And we've got a lot more kind of mystic stuff with Morgan potentially being a night sister. Even Balan, we've found out things about his background. But with Ahsoka, I mean, Rosario Dawson is absolutely amazing as, as, as an actress and certainly plays her part. But I, I'd really like to feel connected with her as a character. And I don't think so far the series has delivered that. Yeah, I agree. I think you're right. She hasn't had... I, I'm hopeful that with six more episodes to come that we'll get a yeah, lot more of yeah. that. Um, but yeah, I agree with everything that you said. It feels like we've been given much more of an introduction to Sabine as a character and yeah. their, their relationship. And certainly by the end of the second episode when you know Sabine has decided she is ready again and she puts back her Mandalorian armour on and cuts her hair. It's like that she's now, you know, there's there's an arc completed for her as a character. So maybe that will give a bit more room for Ahsoka. What I loved about that, the cutting of the hair, really significant because in Rebels, Sabine kept her hair short because it was too hot underneath her Mandalorian helmet. And so at the beginning of episode one, when you see that she's got really long hair, 
quite clearly she's not worn that helmet for a long period of time. And then obviously she then cuts it. Basically, I'm ready to wear the helmet again. Yeah, very exciting stuff. So they find out this droid has come from Corellia, which is a New Republic shipyard. And isn't Corellia where Han Solo originates from? I, I thought it was where the Millennium Falcon came from. Probably both. I'm pretty sure he's a Corellian. I'd, I'd, I'd have to check. I haven't had time to do loads and loads of research since this came out yesterday. But I'm pretty sure Corellia is where Han Solo originates from. And yes, where the Millennium Falcon originates from. That's what it brought to mind for me. But I, I yeah. equally haven't done the fact checking on that stuff. <laughs> but yeah, Morgan had factories there. And Ahsoka questions whether anyone's checking on the dismantling of her Imperial operations. And this whole sequence brings brings up the stuff that, that we kind of had in the last Mandalorian series about the start of the New Republic and kind of the difficulties yeah. that they have. And the chap that we meet there, Min Weaver, says something like a, mm. an empire doesn't become a republic overnight. Yeah. Min Weaver, played by Peter Jacobson, also in Fear of the Walking Dead. Um, so it's quite mm-hmm. lovely to see him in this as well. He's, he says he's a businessman and he's loyal to loyalty to his investors, but he's clearly been paid some money to help get this hyperdrive core for Lady Morgan, um, which is what Shin and and, and Maroc, I think is the name of the character. Yes. Yeah, yeah, the Inquisitor. So the, we get before we get this scene at Corellia, we get this another scene with Balin and Morgan at a place called Cetos. I think, or they they find out that Cetos is where it is, where they need to be. Anyway, they talk about the pathway to Peridia. The map is showing a pathway from this galaxy to a whole other galaxy. And that's kind of where we assume Thrawn is. There's a whole load of theories about this. And again, it's based on Thrawn and Ezra being transported like hyperspace but by these purgle who are these kind of space whales that have the power of hyperspace even though they're not ships and there's theories that the whole technology of hyperspace came from them other civilizations harnessed their powers but they they seem to be in control of it and they have transported them but there's also suggestions that they don't just hyperspace through space they also can go through time so it could well be with Thrawn and Ezra it's not a case of where are they but when are they and that's also suggested by Morgan who says I'm hearing messages from Thrawn through time and space and normally you'd probably say space and time or space time but that's definitely a huge hint and there is loads of stuff out on the fandom social media coming up with this theory but yeah it does seem that at that point this pathway to Peridian it's a destination and potentially it's a it's somewhere that that the space whales go to and therefore they're assuming that must be therefore where they've taken Thrawn and Ezra. I think it was also exciting, you're talking about an empire doesn't become a republic overnight. Shin said, what does this mean for us? And Balin said, well, for some people, making reference to Thrawn coming back, this could be war. For others, 
a new beginning. For us, power such as you have never dreamed. It's fascinating to find out what his sort of motivation for all of this is. Yeah. It, it definitely amps up the, what, what it will mean if Thrawn returns. It's going to be a big, big thing. And Thrawn, I mean, I, I think the two characters that certainly for the fans that they're really setting up here is obviously Thrawn and Ezra. Thrawn is a huge icon within certainly the Star Wars canon. He was initially introduced in a set of books by Timothy Zahn, um, which was kind of like the Thrawn series. I can't remember what they were called now, but basically there was like six books that Timothy Zahn wrote about him. And when Disney bought the rights to Star Wars, they said that all the books were no longer canon. But then they reintroduced him in Rebels, so he is canon again now. And in Rebels, he was voiced by Lars Mikkelsen. And we know that he has been, um, that Lars Mikkelsen would also be playing him in this season. Yeah, and what I know that he's an Imperial Admiral. That's what his his role was. But what, Grand what Admiral. He, Grand Admiral. What did he... Can you give us any any background on what he did? Was there any sort of major... Yeah, he was... I guess if, if you want to relate him to another character that we're familiar with, Grand Admiral Tarkin is probably, I'd say, a peer of his. Like, he did a similar job as to what Tarkin did. He's... I think he's a cis. I think that's the, the race that he is. Blue-skinned, red-eyed. He is... An amazing strategist, and he's very good at working out what his enemies are thinking. Not not in a kind of clairvoyant way, but in a his ability to strategize is what makes him such a great character. And why? I mean, you, you obviously you can watch him in Rebels if you want to. You can read the Timothy Zahn books. He's just unbelievably smart. Like he's. He's a chess master. Like he right. knows exactly how to work a battle, and a, and it, and it's kind of no surprise that he escaped being killed as part of the empire. You know, he's the last grand admiral that we know is alive. They definitely needed some more competent people because I think most of the imperial <laughs> stuff, Darth Vader's the only one who's got any competence at all. Well, I'm excited to see more of Thrawn. This battle on Corellia, sort of between Marak and Ahsoka, finishes. Shin comes and collects him along with the hyperspace core. Chopper manages to get a tracker on tracking device to their vessel before they go. And that was a lot of fun, just Chopper looking for a tracker. (laughs) So they know where they're going. They know that their transport has been traced to CETOS. The bad guys know that Ahsoka is coming. And that's pretty much where we finish off episode two. I really enjoyed the whole kind of action sequence at the end of episode two. Really satisfying. Lightsaber duels, space fights, you know, tension. I, I thought that was great. I think particularly as they were releasing the first two episodes, it's kind of left, left us hungry for more. Yeah, and then we should say, I was really delighted to see the length of the episodes I and mean, the first one's almost an hour long the second one's 40 odd minutes so they, they do pack a lot in there's a as you say a decent amount of action within each episode yeah. we've got interesting characters there's sort of snappy dialogue i think it's really well written and crafted so far so i'm really hopeful for this series that it's going to be a strong one i noticed the sabine 
has got Ezra's green lightsaber, which again kind of fits in with them having a, a connection emotionally. And obviously, I'm I would absolutely predict he will come back when Thrawn comes back. Wherever they rescue Thrawn from, Ezra will come as well. I'm I'm certain of that. Initially, I thought Ezra is such a big character for people who've watched Rebels. Like he's the kind of lead he's. He starts off almost like an Aladdin type figure, as in Disney's Aladdin, for him to just be a part player. But then they brought Ahsoka back as a part player, and now she's got her own series. It wouldn't surprise me if at some point Ezra gets his own series. I think the other thing that's quite refreshing about this series is the number of female characters within it. I mean, female lead, yeah. and you've got Sabine and Hera. I mean, with Hu Yang, those four are the kind of the main, yeah. main characters on, on the on the New Republic side. Yeah, yeah. Even even with uh, the bad guys, you've got Lady Morgan and you've got Shin, so two-thirds of those are yeah. female as well. So I think that's really positive and, and exciting. And also, I mean, they're really paying justice to the fans um, in all the favourites from Rebels. I really hope they bring Zeb back at some point and references to Kanan who was kind of a Soka, was it a Soka's or Sabine's um, teacher at one point? Anyway, there's, there's two other characters that played a huge part in Rebels, and I'm surprised that Zeb hasn't appeared yet. Because we saw Zeb at the end of Mandalorian, right? Yeah. Um, I've got a little surprise for you, Neil. This is a visual <laughs> thing, so not great for an audio medium, but maybe you can describe to... Uh, listeners, what I'm what I'm showing you, if you can see it, <laughs> you're showing me an Ahsoka figure, like Star Wars figure. I had hundreds of them when I was a kid, and um, that's awesome. Where'd you get that from? So I went to the television and movie store in yeah. Albans. Uh, they have a website, TVM Store. If you Google that, and they hold on, lo- are they sponsoring us? They're not sponsoring us, no. But I want to give them a shout out because it was such a great place. And they had these kind of retro, so it's in the retro Star Wars pack. And obviously as a kid, I used to collect figures. I haven't yet taken this one out of its packet, um, (laughs) but I may well do that. And it's Kenner. He he knows all the original little figures. Yeah, very much so. And then I went up into my loft, just putting some stuff away in the loft. And I found up there something that Phoebe got. You can't see that, can you? No, it's dark on the screen, but it looks like a Sabine Mandalorian outfit. Yeah, it's Sabine as a doll. It's a yeah. large doll. Yeah. Sabine Wren in her Mandalorian outfit. There's a better in the in the yeah. light there. So they released a series of these. They're kind of almost like Barbies in a way, the same sort of <laughs> shape and size as a Barbie doll. But they released these dolls. So Phoebe's actually got a Leia and a Jin so and a Ray figure as well. She got one birthday. She was in, she had a Star Wars birthday one year, and so she. <laughs> got so this has been sat up in my loft for a number of years, and I didn't realise even who this character was until. Wow. So yeah, very excited about that. Yeah, um, no, no, that is absolutely awesome. Because as, as I said, Sabine is such a major part of Rebels, and I really hope. That either during the next six weeks when the Soak episode's coming out, but I really hope you get a chance to kind of, yeah, watch all the original Rebels. 
Yeah, I'm going to keep it on my watch list, definitely. I've cleared a few bits and pieces off of that. So I'll be rotating uh, Rebels along with my Parks and Recreation <laughs> Mammoth watch. Um, but yeah, really looking forward to it. So we're going to do these every other week. We're going to do these in two episode chunks, I think. So we'll do, we'll be back in two weeks' time with our next Ahsoka episode. Yeah. Um, but this has been a lot of fun. Yeah, if you want to let us know what you thought of Ahsoka, you can follow us on the social media at TVDNAPod or email TVDNAPod at gmail.com. We've got our, our last episode of The Bear has just come out and our regular weekly watch list episodes. I'm about to record half of one of those with Neil right now. <laughs> So that'll be coming out to you soon as well. Um, But thanks very much for listening. May the force be with you always.